Welcome to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined here by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, you are talking to a. Should we just call this the Aggregator Podcast? Like, should we just? I, I think we are Aggregation Nation now. I think that is. Uh, I think. I think that's the title that we were bestowed by you know our, one of our friendly colleagues in the media, and I think Aggregation Nation. That's that's what I went with on my Twitter handle aggregators mount up yeah exactly <laughs> was it cool no but like so uh i can't believe we're in 2021 2021 now we're not even 2020 i know i said 2020 on twitter today and like pete blew my mind by pointing out that it was 2021 i'm like oh that's a good point i did not remember that it's even crazier than that that we're still doing this we're we're, we're, we're still having the stupid journo blogger feud that like not a single human being outside of our little industry cares about i don't know about you anthony but i always salute the frontline workers and for me that means you know like the people who are going into their jobs right now at like grocery stores and pharmacies and factories and like Mm -hmm. important places like that that like keep you know this country running and then you know obviously the healthcare workers like are right at the top mm-hmm. of the list as well like incredibly important work that they do and like i cannot thank them enough and like everyone that literally everyone that's leaving the house right now to go and like to your job like thank mm-hmm. you seriously and it, this is earnest like i'm about to be sarcastic but this is very earnest mm-hmm. um and then also you know like above, uh, above like, everybody else really yeah honestly like we you, right at the top sport, sports beat writers so <laughs> It's just I love I love the whole like I like to watch writers I, are at the heart of very important professional basketball journalism. Get the bleep out of here. Look, no beat reporters. Do you are, think Tim Kawakami are, like wakes up in the morning and literally salutes himself like in the mirror? Just no, he sal- he goes to Twitter and he salutes the the tweets as they go by from beat reporters like like filing like their morning updates or whatever or replugging their story from last night. He probably like there's one tear going down his cheek as he salutes at like in case you missed it last night my story on it's like that, you know like Warriors Cavs or whatever it is. It's like that scene in Monsters Inc. right where everybody is walking to like their stations, their scaring stations, and it, they're walking all slow and. Yeah, you have like that, you know, the really inspiring. In Tim Kawakami's mind, that's how beat reporters log on for like a Zoom during the (laughs) pandemic. Like that's what they look like heading to their laptop in the couch. I just want to know if Tim Kawakami has ever used information he has gleaned from a question that a different beat reporter asked the athlete. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got to just as evil, inherently evil as we are. Well, no, look, he remember, this is why he got upset with us for getting so, quote unquote, mad about it was uh, was that he put us in the same column as himself. Uh, like, a, a, you know, like he, he said, like his media power rankings, sports beat reporters, number one, everyone else, number two. Yeah, so, you, you, it's, you just, not, you it's definitely learned. not an ecosystem with many moving parts and many people in it and whatever it's kiss the rings of the beat reporters and then everyone else. Do you think, do you think Tim Kawakami's name should be on the, on the little trophy that they give to the player who doesn't give a rat's ass about the award he just got every year for being nice to beat reporters? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Tim Kawakami they, Award for they not take Magic Johnson. They take, 
they take Magic Johnson's name off of it and make it the the Tim Kawakami Thank You for Being Nice to Me award. You, well, it could be actually. I just thought of the name. It's the Tim Kawakami Award for not being angry at beat reporters, even though Tim Kawakami himself made up a falsified article wondering whether or not Kevin Durant was faking an injury for the NBA Finals. Do you think no, that, look, I mean, look like, exactly like a true journalist, they could he was just asking that on the question. Plaque. He was just asking a question, Anthony. But, you know, <laughs> like he wasn't, he wasn't reaching any conclusions about it. He was just wondering, hey, is Kevin Durant faking an injury in the finals? And look, we found out he was not. Uh, out of out of out of, Achilles, like, I'm like being one hundred percent serious here. I'm 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 legitimately asking this question. Would you, while I while you were my editor, would you have let me write that article? Hell no. <laughs> that's all I need to know. Shouts to Tim Kawakami, you freaking jerk. Yeah, for real. No, th- that's what the award <laughs> should be. It shouldn't be for like the player that's nicest. It should be for the beat reporter that is nicest to bloggers. Ooh, yeah, yeah. There we go. That's it. it. That, we're going to create an award right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the to the beat reporter. Tune in next week where we'll nice give it out to, to the beat reporter that was nicest to us that week. Yeah, we can call it the Tim Kawakami Brian Windhorse Ironic Award. Okay, well, I don't know why you had to throw a second one in. Brian Windhorse has always been very nice to me, so he does. He's, a, he's a, a friend of the site, Anthony. You gotta you, put some respect on on his name. I've he's, heard that he's super nice a lot. I just he's very nice. He's a very nice man. <laughs> he just the people he gets mad at are the people who like aggregate out of context or misleading aggregate. Which, like, look, I get mad at those people too. Yeah. So he and I are on the same page about this. Like. So, so what we've Tim decided Cow- then Tim Kawakami who said that we should be fired for not asking more questions on Zoom, you know. <laughs> and then, and anyway, then after, like no, a no, no, we'll ask a question, Anthony. We got to move on. All right, all right, all right. I can't. We I can't talk about. The I just have a Lakers zillion Lakers. questions about this guy. Like, how are we yeah. still doing this in 2021? What are we uh, doing? I don't know. Yeah. What are we doing? All right. Today's show is not going to be all about Tim Kawakami's crusty ass. As much we as you going... probably like that and then block the podcast on Twitter somehow. Like... <laughs> He's going to block the feed, the RSS feed. <laughs> <He's> gonna... <laughs> oh, man. So today's show, we're going to talk about uh, – all right. we. I want to make sure I frame this correctly because I know there are going to be people who are saying, damn it, Anthony Irwin is doing Anthony Irwin things again. I'm I, so I want to make sure that people you say that a know. lot in my mentions. Weirdly, like <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but I, I, I want to say the 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 way that we're going to frame this is it's super early in the season. Frank Vogel himself said that they were going to be tinkering with a whole bunch of combinations at all kinds of different times during a game, and therefore I'm kind of curious what kind of tinkering he's going to do. With the starting lineup when everybody is healthy, do you think that's do you think that's placid enough, benign enough? Is that a benign enough way to ask that question without having people scream at me about whether or not I think the Lakers suck? No, and, honestly, and that was that enough. was great. I'm going to totally diffuse it by making the headline of this podcast: Anthony <laughs> demands the starting lineup change. <laughs> at Anthony Irwin, LA is just yeah, at Anthony Irwin, LA demands. Or I'll, I'll put like aggregator, uninformed aggregator who doesn't even ask questions on Zoom asks, demands Frank Vogel change the starting lineup. That works. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine too. So let's start here. Do you, how much data 
And what kind of data do you consider enough to start wondering about the starting lineup, whether it's how well that starting lineup is performing or how poorly the, the bench group starts performing because of the way it's built up because of the type of guys that are used in the, in the, in the, in the, the first unit. You mean like sample size over the course of a season before we can well, no, like, that? Like, like how big a sample size do you need before you start wondering, Hey, you know, should this maybe be looked at again? Okay. I get what you're saying. So like how many games basically yeah. do we need? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, for one thing, and I know that you're not saying this, but like, it's a lot more than seven. Uh, like at least like, unless things are going catastrophically bad, I guess I should rephrase that. It's yeah. a lot more than seven with the Lakers, you know, winning as much as they have. So yeah. far. like they've o- been fine seven. overall. And they've been blown out by 50 in all seven of those games. Yeah, I, th- I mean, then it's maybe... time to re-examine maybe the coach, like, as well. <laughs> like, not just the lineup. Um, but, yeah. Like, yeah. I, it, it's more than seven games. And, again, like, you're not suggesting that it is less than that, uh, mm-hmm. especially with how they've played so far. Like, like, there are pluses and minuses to this starting group, and we've seen some of the good with it. And I think that we've seen some of the tradebacks of it and some of the potential, mm-hmm. like, you know, or drawbacks. I'm sorry. Uh, like if I was a real journalist, I'd know how to say that. Um, like, so I, I, I think so like pissed. I had a typo in that first tweet too. Oh uh, yeah. Livid. I, I mean, pissed. look, if you, if you had an editor, then, um, <laughs> you know, uh, well, if he had so an like, editor, then, so if we're looking at minutes so far, the starters have played the most of any Lakers grouping. Uh, Anthony, can you guess what their net rating is so far? The starting lineup. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess plus, plus net rating, not plus minus, just to be clear. Right. Right. But, but like their, their net rating, yeah, they're in the plus. They're in the plus. Um, I'll give you that hint. So I'm going to say plus 17, 24.2. Damn. Yeah. And there, there's some numerology for everyone that's going to be looking for that over the next month. Um, that, that 20, that, that Kobe, Derek Fisher respect lineup is what, well, also thinking. Kobe and Gianna, but, um, oh yeah. 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 Damn it. That's crazy. yeah. 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 No, that'll, we're going to be getting a lot of reminders like that over the next month, whether they come from numbers or not. But like, I, I don't want to go for, you know, we'll talk plenty no. about that. I'm sure in the next couple podcasts, but like mm-hmm. they, um, so like they've been good. They've been like consistently and like pretty significantly outscoring their opponents. Like, so again, like that's yet another point in the column of like, okay, don't change it now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is showing that like, you know, obviously, I, one of my theories on, and like, you know, I'd be curious to hear your reasoning on this and like kind of banging this drum. And I'm sure that we're going to get into that of like, maybe they should look at changing it. But I think that one of the reasons that a lot of people have said, not necessarily yourself, but like a lot of fans and, you know, like other people who watch this team have criticized this lineup is that like, I think the flaws are fairly loud. And then like when they're, even when things are going well, like it doesn't always look incredible. Um, but like I have overall like really liked the ball movement of that lineup. I thought they really started to come into their own in yesterday's game. I missed the game live, so I was rewatching and I made it through the first half before I had to do more work. But like in the first quarter, like I thought they came out and their ball movement was really good. But then, you know, like their the drawbacks are obvious too. Is like Marcus All is not the rim protector that the Lakers had last year when they were going mm-hmm. through those lineups. And like, look, say what you will about JaVale McGee, he was a rim protector. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like I think that there have been times where 
like as a result of Gasol being a little bit slower afoot than McGee, that like De- Anthony Davis has had to kind of cover more ground defensively, like hasn't been able to like the the Lakers have given up easier shots at times, I think, than they were last year. And especially like, you know, when Gasol's dropping back and a guard just like hits a jumper basically like right in his face, like it looks bad. Like that's a very loud score, basically. Mm-hmm. It just looks like he just conceded a basket, even though he's doing what he's supposed to do. Um, and so like I, there's a lot of reasons that I think that like this has gotten like a lot of, you know, words spilled online. Also, it's like there aren't very many nits to pick with this team. So if you're looking for something like how can this team improve? It's like one of the things, okay, they haven't really tried anything different than this yet. It isn't necessarily that it's bad. It's just like we haven't even looked at any other grouping. So how do we know this is the best one? Yeah, I I don't even look at it necessarily from what that lineup does together while they're out there on the floor. Because uh, I think there are, there, are, there are going to be trade-offs. Like there isn't... There's also the caveat that it has LeBron James and Anthony Davis in it. And so like any lineup featuring those two it, it, getting high minutes is always going to have a good net rating. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I just don't I just don't know if the Lakers right now have like an optimal lineup. You know, so especially with AD being, you know, consistently reticent to play the the 5. I don't think the Lakers have a a perfect lineup. So that's one thing that that needs to be said. And then, you know, I, I look at it more from if I was going to make the case for the starting group to be tinkered with um, and by the way, like, I'm not even saying like permanent change. Like, I'm just saying I would like to see what this different combination would mean to potentially have this ripple effect el- elsewhere. And and one of the places that, where I would maybe look to tinker a little bit is either with Marcus Gasol or with Dennis Schroeder. The Dennis Schroeder hate campaign from Anthony Irwin continues. He's just too similar to Rajon Rondo is the thing. And like... You know, it is funny. He's a, that's a guy who like he got player comps too. I think if I'm remembering oh, yeah. correctly in the draft. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember he was like little Rondo because that time at that time Rondo was like in his prime, and you would get like the you know Dennis Schroeder would go out there and he was they even kind of shoot similarly too where they have that like chicken elbow out ball right by their ear kind of release. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot in, in common there. And so anytime I see Dennis Schroeder out there, it just reminds me of Rajon Rondo. And I just say, that, like, that, no, I, I think see that's that the, during the regular season. See, he reminds me of playoff Rondo. And so like, I'm like, yeah, this is fun. We're watching the playoffs again. Like, yeah, but, but yeah, I would just, so the way I'm kind of looking at it is if you look at the Lakers number of like creative players, right. Players who are capable of creating for others, on any given possession, it is LeBron, Schroeder, Marcus Gasol, AD a little bit, and then that's probably about it. You know, like in terms of primary create, like guys who are capable of being primary creators. I I think not consistently, but I think Kuz has shown that he has that in his bag at times. But again, that's not a guy that you're going to want to like just do that with, that's not you a, know, like every single that, game. That therefore, isn't yeah. a, like inherently that isn't a primary creator. Yeah. And so, and then I guess like uh, the disrespect to Taylor Horton Tucker is palpable. Um, Can I, I've kind of calmed down on the Taylor Horton Tucker thing. Yeah, There's no, I mean, I, I'm, I, I was, I was messing with you. Like he, you know, he clearly, look, he's like basically a rookie, you know, like he's a sophomore, but he's basically a rookie. He has yeah. his flaws. And like, yeah. So in, in all seriousness, I'm, I, I think I agree with your assessment, but like, those are the main playmakers that you want. And so long as those four playmakers are all with one unit, what is that going to mean 
for the second unit. Yeah, You're, it's like the opposite of the problems that like everybody always like used to say with uh, like LeBron's old team, like Heat teams mm-hmm. and the Cavs team. Like, there's only one ball. Like now, it's like there's only one ball. Like, how many passes can they make? Like, <laughs> right, yeah, right. Well, that's that's a good point too. Is that like yeah. I don't mean this in in that like because the basketball that that first unit plays together is is legitimately pretty. It's a it's yeah, a very yeah. appealing form of basketball that I really enjoy watching. So again. I'm not you can saying, tell, especially when they go to Gasol early, it's infectious. Like, they really start looking oh, yeah. for that extra pass. Like, he, yeah. he is like a – like, I described him the other day as basically like he's like a seven-foot version, a super-plus version of like what Alex Caruso gave the Lakers offense last year. And yeah. that he's just a guy that like kind of keeps things moving really well. And he obviously mm-hmm. has way better passing and floor vision than Caruso does. Being seven feet, like, and seeing over the defense will help with that. Um, but like, you know, it, it, that's almost what it reminds me of. It's just like when he's on the floor, just the offense flows really well, especially when they go through him. Yep. And, but, but that, that is kind of why I would like to see for a game or two, just, just, just tinkering around because you have 72 games. Like at, at this point, we've seen enough from the Lakers to be able to know there is no scenario outside of injuries in which the Lakers are not making the playoffs and, and probably won't have home court advantage in the in the first round too like there's something would have to go seriously wrong for 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 them to fall down to like a five seed um and i just don't see that really happening here so what does that mean well let's have a little bit of fun with these guys let's see what let's see what the game looks like with Schroeder coming off of the bench with that second lineup so that they do have a primary creator in that group um, one reason why I would really like to see it with Gasol rather than Schroeder is because I just think Gasol is more creative than Schroeder. He also works with Kuz really well. And so mm-hmm. it's like trying to find more minutes for those two guys would be a, 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 like un- undoubtedly a plus for the Lakers um, right. in some respects. And we've already seen Vogel uh, want to, you know, that he'll play Montrez Harrell next to AD and have Harrell play ostensibly the five. So you could try that to start the game and then see what that bench unit looks like with, with Gasol there. And, and basically all, all I'm basically looking at is let's just, let's just tinker with this. It's kind of like, so for example, I have an old fashioned recipe that I basically stick to all the time. And I know that every time I make that, that drink, it's going to be this amount of good. That said, every so often I'll switch up the bitters. I'll change the whiskey. I'll use smoke instead of the the zest from the orange peel to to uh, provide a different uh, aromatic experience. All of these things, like I know how to make this this one cocktail, and I know how to make it pretty well. But let's see what else it might taste like. And and I think here with the Lakers, it's kind of like we know what this team's floor is. I still don't think we know what the ceiling is because no. it's way too early. But we now know we have the foundation laid for what this team is capable of. Let's tinker here here a little bit. Let's let's see what this group looks like under these circumstances. And and you know, I this is something that Frank Vogel said. He was the, the only reason really that you and I are talking about this is because Frank Vogel said he was going to do that kind of tinkering. And so I want to take a quick second. And when we come back, I want to talk about like why some things that he might consider tinkering with might be off limits and, and, and some of that as well. 
So you seem to have taken what Frank Vogel said differently than I did. Yes. Yeah. Like a typical aggregator, you know, you were not on that Zoom call and you were not on the front lines of this uh, fight for information to figure out, you know, huh? Yeah. The front online. Um, (laughs) And so like, you know, it, it, it is me coming back, you know, basically like, you know, if you look at it, like basically like sports war correspondent, like they're the same thing. And like, you know, it is me coming back here to tell you the stories of these battles I've went through. And, you know, like the way that I took You're sitting there drawing a map in the sand, just like the... Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like, here's where Anthony Davis is going to play. And um, (laughs) no, like, I I think, like, like, number one, I just want to say that I appreciate that your analogy a second ago before the break justified your, like, the reason and, uh, you know, your constant drinking as, like, you're just experimenting with old-fashioned recipes, you know? <laughs> that sounds a lot better, and I'm sure that, that, like, has worked great on Jen. You're like, you're like, no, 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 I'm not drinking again. I'm trying to find the best old-fashioned recipe that I can do. I'm just tinkering with my lineups a little this bit. This is just and, like, the scientific process at work, Harrison. Exactly. So, about? if you guys are wondering where all of Anthony's takes come from, it's that he's constantly experimenting with different old-fashioned recipes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can you can tell based on uh the, the caliber of typos or the number of typos how many old fashions i have experimented with is what well, it's saying. like when he like when he calls for like a coach that has like a successful record so far that season to be fired like that's when he like he did the smoke instead of the orange peels and stuff <laughs> like that so like there's different effects on his takes that each of these <laughs> has but like no so in, in the context of when frank was talking about this he was asked specifically about what he saw from that closing lineup mm-hmm. which is why i think that he was mainly referring when he was talking about tinkering like at that night i believe they'd played it was like trez and ad were the front court and mm-hmm. he was being asked what he th- saw from that lineup if he liked it and he was basically saying like look like we're gonna have mark there sometimes we're gonna have trez there sometimes like we'll have markeith there sometimes like essentially you know, hinting at the the main thing that's going to change from those starting lineups. And I'm sure there's like one other spot up for grabs there, like potentially a shooter spot or, you know, whoever. But like, I think like it's mostly good. Like he's talking about, okay, who am I pairing with AD down the stretch? I want to get different looks at this. And like the reason that I don't see the starters changing is that number one, like Frank has talked about that he only want like mainly wants to see this year at center, like Trez and uh, like Mark, like they know the AD at center is a weapon that they can go to. And what he didn't say, but what I think is like kind of tacitly implied is that they just don't want to tax him like that, which I think is totally understandable. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, you know, in this shortened of a season coming, you know, coming off the turnaround that they had, like I think them not wanting to go to that weapon more than they have to is totally reasonable, Uh, especially since they know how devastating that is uh, like at times. And so, like, I'm just not sure that I can see Frank Vogel as defensively minded as he is. And, like, he'll always talk – He uh, the thing that he always talks about is defense. Like, that that is his go-to. That's where he made his bones coming up. That is what he's going to talk about when you ask him what is wrong with the team. He's never going to start with an offensive thing. It's always going to be a defensive thing. Um, and so I think that, like – you know, I just cannot see him voluntarily just saying, hey, I'm going to start Trez at the five. Like, I just don't see it, you know, based on kind of what he values and like also just kind of what he said so far. I think this starting lineup, like, do I think that they could experiment and try some different things? Sure. Like, I'm just not sure that I expect them to do so at this point. And like, I just don't know, like, for me, like, I just don't know if it's important enough it would be important enough, even to me with how things are going 
to want to mess with that really and change it up when you can experiment with different lineups all throughout the game. And then you can kind of like have that in your back pocket for the playoffs. But that said, the counterpoint is the starters play by far the most minutes together. So maybe like in a normal rotation. So maybe you do want to experiment with that just to get higher volumes of looks for those other groupings. Yeah. I just, the the way I kind of look at it is I'm not going to be sitting here and banging the drum of this is a different, you know, the, the, the team is underachieving in any way, which way, just, you know, any which way, just because of this one thing that they aren't doing. Right. And, uh, learned your lesson from last year. What's that? You learned your lesson from last year. Well, but like, so even if you're, <laughs> you're going to bring up last year, right? So one of the things that the Lakers really did was they did kind of do things that cost them wins uh, over the course of the regular season because it made them a better playoff team. But right? not really changing the starters. Right, not right. It, it wasn't being as drastic injury. as changing the starters, but, you know, they, they, went to, they went to some things. They stuck with Rondo in ways that, Regular season Rondo didn't deserve the amount of leeway he was given. But then we saw come the postseason that sticking with him paid dividends. And and I think here with, with this starting post up too was another example of that. Yeah, like that, all, that, all that, that didn't yeah. really work paid dividends. Like they did they did this stuff. I'm not disputing that they didn't. They just didn't change the starting lineup very often to do it. Yeah. And and well what I'm what I'm interested to see is is that like the one place that that Vogel is is you know so so in in baseball you have the theory of the Dodgers like to move guys all around the baseball field and up and down the lineup and more old school fans and analysts will say well it makes it really difficult to get into a rhythm if you're if you aren't sure heading into any game where you're going to be playing in the field uh, where you're going to be batting in the lineup. And, and so that's reason enough to not tinker with that stuff in and of itself. The other side of that though, is, well, if you have versatility on your roster, you're not utilizing it. If you aren't tinkering and and if you aren't trying to tailor your lineup or who's playing where in the field based on whoever you're playing that night. And so it's going to be kind of interesting here. It seems like Vogel is more old school where he does want consistency with the starters uh, so long as health allows you to to be able to be that, and then you know also is 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 kind of very concerned about since this group is going to play the most together. Well, let's make sure that that group is maximized. The counter to even that though is that like it very clearly wasn't maximized, and he stuck with Javale over Dwight for long stretches of the season because Dwight was in a, a more important bench prep. Uh, uh, presence and so so for this it's going to be you know we are now seven games into this thing and we still have yet to see where Vogel is or isn't willing to go with these tinkerings uh I I just you know one of the things I would like to see at some point is well let's let's see what it looks like when KCP is out there with the starters alongside you know somebody else in in the backcourt and and then you have your LeBron AD and whatever big it happens to be there um, on games where Marcus all can't go right. If he's getting a night off or something like that, what is, is, is AD still not going to play the five? Like, are, yeah, is, is yeah, he going to be I, forced to do that a lot too? Because 
I've been thinking about that a lot too, because like, look, history will tell us. And like Mark Gasol is, how old is he now? He is not young. Uh, yeah, he's 35. He's going to be 36 uh, by the end of the season. So like, basically same age as LeBron, a little younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, each of the last That's two crazy. seasons, <laughs> he has missed significant, you know, like portions of time. And Mm -hmm. like during, during his team's regular seasons with injuries and like, you know, like, look, this is not me knock on wood. Like I, you know, I hope Mark does not get injured, but at his age, it's likely that some little thing at at Mm -hmm. the very least will nag him at some point. And he'll be smart to give him a night off every so often, even if he isn't hurt. That too. Yeah. And so like, I, I think there will be times where he has to sit out and I will be very curious to see what Vogel goes to there. The the other thing that I think is important context here. And like, this is kind of pushing back on my own point of like Vogel, not changing the starters, but like he may be more receptive to it than maybe I'm making out because the other, like there one way to view uh, like Vogel is like, he's the old school guy. He doesn't change the lineups, which by the way, that analogy made me picture Frank Vogel in like a baseball uniform, like what he would like. And then it made me picture him in a basketball uniform. Like if they force coaches to wear the same uniform, as the players, not even warm-ups. I mean, honestly, yeah. what coaches are wearing now for games, isn't that far off from like a warm up jumpsuit. It Can would I be, just no, say, I miss I'm coaches saying, wearing suits. Can I just, am I allowed to say that? That you miss coaches wearing suits? I miss you don't coaches get it? wearing suits. I Oh no, I don't. I could not care less. I, I'm team comfy life all the way. So like, <laughs> if it was up to me, I would show up every single day to work in sweats. But I have some during the coaches, pandemic. Like some suits are just flattering. Whereas you, they're wearing this like kind of softer. Uh, Anthony, you know, I see stuff. Like I'm watching me, Stan Van. I'm watching Stan Van Gundy right now, man. And I'm just saying Stan Van Gundy could, could afford to wear a suit. Like I see, like there are he, some he coaches aided who by, like, the the you know kind of more streamlined lines that a suit provides. See, I think there's right something now he to be looks said like a like, cue ball. I'm not gonna. There's some coaches that you can tell like half style. Like they like to wear different you know outfits. Like they like Monty Williams is like a very stylish coach. Like has mm-hmm. a bunch of different suits, a bunch of different looks. Like is a very like I mean he's a former NBA player, so he probably like you know like he he understands fashion. Like he he's in shape. Like he looks good. Like there are other coaches like. Like Tom Thibodeau, like, do you think he cares? Like, I just feel like the suit is dishonest a little bit at times, like when it's forced to wear them. Because like Tom Thibodeau, like he didn't pick that suit out. He doesn't want to be wearing that suit. There's something dishonest about like Tom Thibodeau not being like covered in like pretzel crumbs and like a stained sweatsuit <laughs> or something. Like, because you know that on a day-to-day basis, that's what he looks like. He's just like, they like knock on his door and he like comes out in the morning and whatever and like, like, you know, he's been watching film all night, whatever. Like, like Vogel is not a guy, like, that is going to be wearing suits of his own accord. Like, if it was up to Vogel, you know, like, he would be in, you know, like, just, a, like, a different pair of sweats for that day. And, you know, because he was up all night watching film. And, like, I, I just think there's something dishonest about it, which is, again, like, neither here nor there. But, yeah, <laughs> I just think, like... The point of a suit is to, like, forcing, not have to be so honest about what your neck down looks like. But if they don't want that, then, like... I respect that even more like you know so like that's where but anyway this is not anywhere this is a complete tangent from where I was going with this but like I think that last year's context with the starters was a little different in terms of Dwight and JaVale where like JaVale you know again this is not reporting so aggregators chill out Anthony chill out do not aggregate this um uh but like 
you know, I would not be surprised if there was some kind of promise made to JaVale, like we're going to start you during, at least during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that's clearly valuable to you the last it two years. That same uh, promise to Mark. Yeah, and they may have. But like the the thing that is, I guess, different, I, I mean, Mark did take less to come here for the veterans minimum. So maybe mm-hmm. he wanted a starting guarantee in there. He doesn't necessarily seem like that kind of guy, but maybe he is. Like, I don't I, I don't have a great sense for Mark yet. On if there's one thing about. we know about the Gasols is that they are just classically impossible to deal with and work with. Yeah, well, no, look, Pau didn't like having his role moved around. Mark has at times like bristled when coaches have asked him to do different things. Like mm-hmm. in Memphis, he, you know, that, that was an issue with Dave Yeager or not Dave Yeager. Uh, the uh, Fisdale. Um, and so like, you know, he is a guy who is a creature of comfort to some degree. So maybe he does really want to start, but maybe he doesn't. I don't really know. Um, it does make me wonder because like for JaVale and Dwight, it was very clearly like a JaVale plays harder when he starts. He kind of get, we saw the year before he gets in a little bit of a funk when he feels like his role is threatened. Dwight was very kind of like came in, you know, like he was in a different situation where it's like, you have to do exactly what we say, you know, like to ha- even get this chance to come in and play for this team. Whereas like Trez was not like that and Mark was not like that and whatever. So like these guys may have a little bit more room to kind of voice what they would like versus mm-hmm. Dwight. Like last year basically like had to come in, toe the line. If he, he wasn't going to start, he had to deal with that, accept it. He had to come out very clearly to JaVale and say, look, I'm not looking to start and take your job. So it was a very different personality dynamic. And so maybe this year, like Frank is a little bit more open to changing things just because both guys kind of wanted at times and you have to juggle that a little bit um but again like it's so soon we don't really know who that's important to and who knows maybe mantra and maybe trez wants to defend his six man of the year title you know like and dennis starting he can't steal votes from him this year maybe that's something that's important to him um but yeah i I don't know uh like where all of that is at but i guess there are I, i my point is you know, before we went on the managers, you know, coaches suits tangent was <laughs> that I'm the personality dynamics may be different. And so maybe that was less of a vocal thing and we shouldn't assume necessarily that it was. So maybe yeah. he is a little bit more flexible and will change this next time. I sent, you know, since you're, you're doing the, the, the very honest work, uh, can you ask Vogel how he feels about not wearing a suit? Like I want, I, I want he's to, been at, he got asked on the low post and I think he said, I don't, actually don't remember what he said. Yeah, I'll ask him. I, I just, I'm just kind of curious because I. So to be completely honest here, when I was coaching high school basketball, I did wear a suit. I had my suit still, so I may as well just. Use it. <laughs> That's hilarious to picture you like every other coach in the league is probably like, who is this kid wearing a suit? They're like showing up in track suits, like, like just like laughing at you. You got your hair slicked back like Pat Riley. Like, <laughs> I rented a Ferrari for the games. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I don't know. I just I come from I'm I'm an I'm an older soul, I guess. I I wore suits a lot growing up. Back so in my day, coaches respected the game and wore a suit. That's all I'm saying. We respected the game and we respected our beat reporters. Like that's Yeah, actually I, I I will ask Frank about the suit thing, but I'll ask him first if he would like to salute and thank us for our service. Uh, you know. <laughs> How much do you care about the media uh award every year? Oh, well, Frank absolutely cares. Frank came in day one last year and said he was looking to win that award and (laughs) did not win it. But like, like is genuinely incredibly kind to the media and like really does try to give you real answers. And uh, yeah, he does seem like a genuinely good dude. You never know these people because we interact with them through scrums or whatever. Like, you know, it's a very inorganic environment, but he does seem like a very genial and kind person. That's good. 
All right. Well, now that now that we have made, and I would vote for him for my "You Were Nice to Us" award if I had one and was not rejected from Pro Basketball Writers Association membership. So I was kind of curious, like, what what does it take? Because I know, like, coming up, it was you know you had to get paid for a certain amount of time and be credentialed for a certain amount of time. I guess they're just they just hate bloggers. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, may I, I Isaiah Tom? I'll uh, I'll I'll cede to the Isaiah Thomas gif on uh, on that one. <laughs> uh, all right, that's gonna do it then for this episode of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. Go ahead and get super angry and make sure you at at Laker Film Room for everything that you that you hate uh, about what it is that Harrison and I just talked about. This is gonna be a super long season, and every so often. A, a thought creeps into our brains and we say, you know what? We'd like to kind of see this. We'd like to, we'd like to talk about this. And that's where we found ourselves uh, for this episode. And I, I just want to say to everyone, just remember to, uh, you know, like just thank your local beat reporters. Uh, thank, thank Tim Kawakami. Just let him know on Twitter that you really appreciate his service and uh, crusading for the causes that are truly the most important in our times. Yeah. I mean, every time somebody sends out a tweet, even remotely about the NBA, and you think that they may or may not have asked a question there, just say thank you. Say thank you in their, in their. I thank you for your service. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, especially if Tim Kawakami hasn't blocked you yet, I'm asking all of you to just go thank him for every tweet he sends and see how well, how well he likes that. That would be great. That'd be fantastic. Oh, I would be so proud of all of you. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. And we'll be able to, to whoever is doing their show tomorrow, uh, we'll pick right back up on this and see if they show the same amount of respect to the the reporters who are all heroes out there uh, doing the doing God's work.